Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you this morning. We are continuing our series on Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. Uh, You may not know, but we are looking at Mark's gospel, and uh, we are still actually in chapter one of Mark's gospel. If you hadn't realized that, we have looked at Jesus over purpose. Uh, Last week, Tim looked at Jesus over evil, and this week, we are looking at Jesus over sickness. Jesus over sickness. Now, I'd love to just take a bit of a straw poll here, okay? Hands in the air if you think that you have taken at least 10 lateral flow tests. Okay, interesting, interesting. Keep your hand in the air if you think you've taken at least 25. Yeah, at least 50. Anyone reckon they've taken at least 100? (laughs) There are a few of us still here. Uh, We have two teenagers in our house who are at school. I do a little bit of chaplaincy at a hospital sometimes. We do lateral flows for church, for staff meetings, for other meetings. I reckon we are probably as a household well into the hundreds with the lateral flow tests. You know, it's that delightful sound, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That you hear every morning. It's just, you know, lovely, the dawn chorus of that. Delightful. You know, we all know that this has been a season of sickness. It's been a season of sickness because it has touched all of us in one way or another. It's touched all of us, whether you've been ill yourself, whether your friends or your family have been ill, But of course, the NHS, poor old NHS, keep reminding us that the pandemic doesn't have a monopoly on sickness. You know, all the other types, cancer, heart failure, migraines, anxiety, depression, they all carry on and on and on. You know, in many ways, sickness is the real leveler. We hear about leveling up. But actually, if you have got a crippling headache, if you're waiting for medical results, it really doesn't matter who you are. You're going to feel exactly the same. You know, when I was starting to think and pray about this talk, Jesus over sickness, both my kids got really sick. And then my dad got sick. I'd been sick. Nick had been ill. You know, I was struggling with anxiety at this point, which, of course, is another form of sickness. And we know that mental and emotional health has taken a massive knock over this last season as well. I know that. But when I am ill, I do become the world's best Google doctor just so as you know that. If you have any symptoms, do feel free to come to me. I will Google the symptoms and I will tell you what the results are. It might not be very reassuring, just let me tell you that. It might not be very reassuring, but I am the world's expert at that. And in fact, do you know what the most Googled medical question is? The most Googled medical question, it's very serious, is how to get rid of hiccups. <laughs> Seriously, guys, drink a glass of water, stand on your head, do something, you will be fine. (laughs) I mean, it seems trivial, doesn't it? But of course, it's the thin end of the wedge of us and our anxiety on medical issues, on sickness. It affects all of us. And when we talk about Jesus over sickness, it raises loads of questions. Kingsley Amis was a novelist, and he was once asked, do you believe in God? And he said... No. And I hate him. 
Okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's this vague idea that many people have. I don't really believe in God, but when I see sickness and suffering, I don't know why he doesn't stop it. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You, you might be here today, you might be watching online, thinking just that every day. I see something in the newspapers or I have something in my life which says to me, how could a good God allow this to happen? You know, it's a huge barrier for faith for many people. So before we carry on, I'm going to say the elephant in the room. If we believe, if we say that Jesus is over sickness, why is everyone not healed when we ask? Why is everyone not healed? You know, I think it's a question that we all wrestle with when we get sick. I know I do. Just this year, um, Nick and I have got a couple of really good friends, people we've known for over 20 years, two amazing Christian, faith-filled men. And a couple of years ago, both of them were diagnosed with cancer. And uh, many people prayed for them. We prayed for them over months, full of faith, just believing and healing for them. And one of them is doing really, really well. He's cancer-free, praise God, he's thriving, he's doing great. And just a couple of weeks ago, Nick and I went to the memorial service for the other because he died from his cancer in the summer. You know, this is a sharp question to wrestle with. So does it mean that Jesus isn't over everything? Well, I believe that the four Gospels, in fact, the whole Bible, were written to answer some of these questions, to show us God's attitude to sickness, to show us Jesus' response to it, and to show us what he expects us to do about it. So we're going to jump right into our reading, which is Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. Hopefully the words will come up on the screen. Here we are. You might need binoculars to read those. They're quite small, but that's okay. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So last week we were hearing from Tim about the bit just before this bit. Jesus has been in the synagogue with his disciples and he's been preaching. He's the rabbi for the day. But also what happens is this incredible power encounter where Jesus sets free a man who has been oppressed by an evil spirit. And it is like it's an electric shock goes through the congregation when this happens. Something real happens in front of their eyes and they become aware for the first time of Jesus' authority over darkness. Jesus' authority over darkness. And after this, they come out of the synagogue and Jesus and the four disciples are walking through the town of Capernaum. And uh, as I say, there's four disciples. It's actually two sets of brothers. You've got James and John, who are also known as the Sons of Thunder. And then you have got Simon and Andrew. Now, just to be clear, Simon here is actually Simon Peter. We quite often know him as Peter, the disciple. And the reason for that is a bit later on, Jesus nicknames him the Rock, which is um, Petros in Greek, so Peter. We call him Simon Peter. And this got me to thinking, Jesus gave the coolest nicknames didn't he? Sons of Thunder, The Rock. And then I thought about this and I thought, 
Do you think Andrew felt a little bit left out? I mean, these names are like WWF wrestling stars, aren't they? Or like Tyson Fury. You've got, hey, it's the Thunder, Thunder. Hey, The Rock. Oh, hi, Andy. I mean, it, anyway, that was completely irrelevant. It just, these things come to me when I start looking at the Bible. But the five of them, Jesus and the four disciples, are headed off to hang out at Simon Peter's house to rest, to recuperate after uh, the day. And the first thing we hear about the house is that Peter's mother-in-law is sick in bed. And we read about this account in Luke's gospel as well. And Luke himself is a doctor, and he describes her as with a, with a high fever, a high fever. Now, at the time, fevers were sort of different grades. So it wasn't that she was just sort of a bit headachey and didn't feel like seeing them. Where it says she has a high fever, it means that she is seriously, seriously sick. There's a good chance she's going to die. She's really, really unwell. And of course, for Peter's mother-in-law, her role in the household would have been to provide, to give hospitality, to welcome, to be there for the family. And she's got the rabbi and some followers coming to the house that day. It's probably quite a big deal. And can you imagine her frustration on top of the sickness, her frustration that she can't do what she is meant to be doing? And we all know something about that in this season, don't we? We've all had things cancelled. It's been a season of loss for many of us. The big things, the little things that we have lost. We understand that with sickness comes frustration. Now, at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't yet healed anyone. But it's interesting because what has happened in the synagogue just a little bit earlier has raised the expectations of the disciples. They know that something now could happen. They've seen Jesus' authority, so they immediately tell him about her. And what happens next is really simple, but it's really profound. Bearing in mind that a man wouldn't touch a woman who he wasn't related to, and a healthy person wouldn't go near a sick person, it says in verse 31 this, he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her. Went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her. Completely healed. There's no shabba pads behind him. The worship band doesn't pop up and start playing. You know, there's not even any white suits or touch the screen and you will be healed. There is no fuss whatsoever. It is normal, normal, normal. Completely in everyday work. You know, she's totally restored in that moment. Immediately, she's able to get up. The frustration is gone as well. She can do what she is called to do, what she wants to do. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Because who in your life needs that touch from Jesus right now. It might be you. It might be a friend. It might be a family member. Can you imagine Jesus just going into them or coming to you, taking a hand, helping them up? They're healed. That simple. Wow. I'm not trying to raise some kind of false hope here, but I am trying to help us to understand the impact and how profound that moment of healing was. You know, it's a beautiful moment of Jesus' holiness creating wholeness. Jesus' holiness creating wholeness. But of course, in our reading, it's not just for her. It's not just for Peter's mother-in-law. The news gets out. This healing of Peter's mother-in-law unlocks something in the whole town. Now, I just want us to look at this, this little word here, because Mark mentions that people arrived after sunset. 
And sometimes there's things in a Bible reading that just, just go over our heads. We don't think twice about it. But sometimes there's a little bit of significance. And I think there is in these couple of words. It was after sunset that the people came to Jesus. Because you see, we know it was the Sabbath because Jesus has just come from the synagogue. And the Jewish Sabbath runs from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And during that time, the Jewish people are allowed to do no work whatsoever. In fact, they're a kind of religious police monitoring the situation. What is going on? They are watching you. So it's really interesting that the news gets out about Peter's mother-in-law's healing. And there are people around the town thinking, I've got someone who's sick in my household. I really need to get them to Jesus. But I don't know if I'm allowed. It's the Sabbath. Carrying someone through the streets would have constituted work. In fact, healing someone seemed to constitute work as well. They were held back. It's like this heartbreaking thing. People knowing that Jesus is doing something. They want to go to him, but they are being held back. You know, don't be held back from coming to Jesus if you need something. Don't be held back. You know, Jesus doesn't care about any of this stuff. He has already healed Peter's mother-in-law, bang in the middle of the Sabbath, doesn't care about it. And in fact, a little bit later on, he heals a man on the Sabbath, and these religious police are basically watching him, and he gets into an awful lot of trouble. It is the moment that triggers them plotting to have him killed, him healing on the Sabbath. But he's already done it. He does it on this day. But when Mark says, after sunset... He's saying the people don't quite get it yet. They don't know who is among them. They don't know that the Sabbath is made for the Son of God, bringing the kingdom of God. But eventually, after sunset, they do come. And it says, the whole town, I love that, the whole town comes to Peter's door. But he's thinking, oh my goodness. But they all want to be healed. They want to be set free. And it says that Jesus healed many of various diseases that evening. Now let's just... Put the story on hold for a second there, because Jesus says he only does what he sees the Father doing. So I want us to zoom out and just look quickly at the bigger picture, because I think there are a couple of things about sickness that I want you to know. In the Bible at the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, and at the end, in the holy city that we read about in Revelation, there is no sickness. Sickness does not exist You know, we know it's introduced in the fall, in the form of sin and death. And sickness, along with abuse and hurt and disappointment and brokenness, is part of the effects of sin and death. You know, Tim was talking last week about this great story of good and of evil, how it's kind of written into our bones. And of course, the Christian story is that Jesus' death on the cross defeats this power of sin and death and all of its effects. However, We are still waiting for the time when Jesus will come again, as he promises, to make all things new. So number one, sickness is not meant to exist. It didn't in Eden, it doesn't in Revelation. It's not meant to, but it does right now. And um, when we pray for healing, I've always found this image um, the most helpful. I think we've got a little kind of picture to help us. This image of, of storm clouds over the sea, and the clouds are there. But there are little breaks in the clouds. And if you can see, the light pours in where there are those breaks and the water glitters just underneath it. And when we pray for healing, sometimes it's a little bit like we are standing under one of those light rays and we see immediate healing. It is wonderful. And sometimes when we pray for healing, it's a little bit like we're standing next 
to the ray of light. And we don't see healing at that time. But it doesn't mean that the sunshine is not there above the clouds. You know, we're living in a world, we know that. The storm clouds are dominating right now. But we know the sun is still there because we see the glimpses of glory. We see those little breakthroughs with the light coming down. One day, it says in Revelation, those clouds will clear altogether. We will see the sun fully. That is what we are looking forward to. But for now, we're in this in-between time. Some have called it the now and the not yet. When we know there's victory, we believe in the sun, but we don't see it in all its fullness. But we're going to keep praying because we want to see that light breaking through. I've been doing a little bit of um, chaplaincy in a hospital in Birmingham, and it's an amazing privilege to go into this place, and I pray before I go in, and I wander around, and I have some amazing conversations with people, and I, and I pray with them, and I pray with people who say they have faith, and I pray with people who say they don't have faith, but it's really interesting, because when we pray, they still seem to sense God's comfort and God's peace in that moment. It's like these little mini rays of light breaking through. A few weeks ago, I prayed with a young guy in the hospital who's had to have several really serious operations. And uh, he was recovering from one of them, and he caught COVID, and he had to go back into hospital, and the surgery failed. And he's in a really, really tough place right now. He's only 31 years old. He's in a really tough place. And we had a really good conversation. We had a good chat. And then he turned to me, and he had tears in his eyes, and he just said, what did I do to deserve this? I must have done something really wrong. Oh, my heart just broke. You haven't done anything wrong. God is not punishing you. He's not angry with you. He hasn't sent this to you. It's not your fault. That is not how it works. You know, guys, if anyone ever says to you, well, everything happens for a reason, no. No, it doesn't. Sometimes the most awful things happen to the nicest, most wonderful people. You know, we are living under storm clouds right now. One day we won't be, but we are right now. So let me say this up front to you. God does not send sickness to you. It's not some kind of holy refiner that he uses to shape you. And the reason I know that is because every time Jesus encounters sickness, he removes it. To Jesus... Sickness is the enemy. It's not some kind of tool in his kit bag to hit people over the head if you're not behaving well. He doesn't use it to punish you. He doesn't send it to teach you a lesson, to squash you. He doesn't send it to give you what you deserve. Because the only thing, the message of the gospel is the only thing God sends to you that you don't deserve is his mercy and his goodness and his forgiveness and his love and his grace. You know, I do know that the New Testament talks about suffering. It talks about it in the, in the letters quite a bit. It talks about enduring suffering. But that sort of suffering is always in the form of persecution, okay? It's always in the form of being persecuted for following Jesus, for saying you are a Jesus follower. And as we know, for some of us, that might mean that we experience some difficulty or some rejection. And of course, in many places, it's going to have much more serious consequences than that. If you step out and follow Jesus and say you are doing that. But while God doesn't send us sickness, God can work through it and 
in it. You know, he uses those times to speak to us so gently. It's like a mother scooping up a, a hurt child. And that's an incredible place to be. You know, he says he stores our tears in a bottle, that a bruised reed he won't break, that the valley of weeping will become the place of refreshing. Jesus is with us in those times, and you will know that more than ever. You know, I've found that myself in times of illness, had a couple of days in hospital when our son was born, went through two miscarriages, you know, having asthma attacks, various illnesses. You know, I have never known God speak to me so sweetly and so kindly than in those times. You know, that's the story of the Christian faith. It's like cover to cover. God is with you. He's never going to abandon you. You know, this morning, if you're going through something like that, I want you to know that God is with you and his arms are big enough to hold you. His arms are big enough. That is never in question. So two things that our reading has shown us today is that Jesus is willing and that he is able to heal. And through the four Gospels, we see 41 instances of Jesus healing. You know, sometimes it's an individual that we read about, and sometimes it's a whole group of people, many people, actually, like in our reading today. And he heals all sorts of diseases and sicknesses. He heals fever, leprosy, paralyzed man, disabled hand, a hemorrhage, deafness, speech impediments, blindness, epilepsy. Men, women, and children were healed. And we read of three incidences, at least, of him bringing someone back after death. And Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days when Jesus brings him back to life. You know, Jesus healed people. Jesus healed people. And that was one of the key reasons that people wanted to come and find him. It's one of the reasons they chased him down and that they formed crowds. They wanted healing. You know, he was an amazing teacher. He told great stories. People loved that. But the first and foremost, people wanted healing from him. And they heard that he would heal them. And what they found when they encountered Jesus Christ was the compassionate son of God living out the promise of God to bring the power of God here and now on earth. And the healing wasn't some kind of added extra onto that. The healing was the message. What a message. You know, when something changes physically, when we see healing, you can bet your bottom dollar that people are going to sit up and listen. And throughout the Gospels, everyone who asks Jesus for healing is given it without exception. If someone asks Jesus for healing, he does it immediately. It's really, really good news. It's really good news in a season of sickness. You know, Jesus is willing and able, but what does that mean for you and me today? Well, Jesus didn't just heal people, but he empowered his followers to do just the same. There's this brilliant bit in Luke 10, and uh, Jesus has his, his followers, the, there's the 12 at first, and then there's a wider group of about 70 of them. And he gets them in pairs, and he sends them out. He says, go to all the towns in the area, all the towns in the area. And I love his instructions. Here we are. This is what he says to do. Eat what is set before you. Brilliant. Good manners, right? Just eat what's set before you. Eat what's set before you. Cure the sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. That's it. That's it. Eat what's set before you, be, you know, accept hospitality, go into a home, cure the sick, tell them the kingdom of God's come near. All you have to do. And it's brilliant because in the passage just afterwards, the disciples come back and they are full of joy. I suspect there was a little bit of surprise mixed in there as well, to be honest. It happened. 
It really happened. We did it. People were healed. It was unbelievable. And there's this beautiful passage with them being really excited. Jesus is really excited about it. It's this whole season of rejoicing. You know, this was the practice of the disciples. It was the practice of the early church. It's been the practice of the church through the ages to tell people about Jesus, the good news of the cross, and to pray for the sick and see them healed. And here's the thing. Jesus saying, heal the sick, wasn't just a nice suggestion. It was a command. You know, we talk about love your neighbor. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. We hear the words, forgive your enemies. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Heal the sick. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. You know, it's part of the deal. Healing the sick is not kind of reserved for some super special, all the bells on sort of Christian over there. Jesus made a habit of taking things out of the hands of the experts and giving them to everyone. Everyone gets to play. You know, you might think, well, I don't know how to heal. I can't heal someone. No, that's fine. You can't heal. I can't heal. But Jesus can. All we need to do is step out into obedience and say, okay, I will ask. I will ask. You're the healer. I will just be obedient. So that is what we are trying to do at Gas Street. It's why we leave space during worship. It's why we pray for people. That's why on Thursday evenings, Insta Live, 9 p.m., we've been particularly going after words of prophecy and healing. Have we seen everything we want? Have we seen everyone healed? No, we haven't. But that's okay. We're just doing our part. We are just being obedient. And you know what? We are consistently seeing God speak to people. We're consistently seeing words about jobs and encouragements with mental health and people's home situations. We are seeing things changed and we have seen healing. Someone had a word of knowledge uh, about they had a, a sensation of pain in their right shoulder and neck. And they shared that on Insta Live one evening. And a woman responded to it and said, yeah, that's me. It's been terrible. It's been really bad. And we prayed for her. And you know what? The pain went immediately. The pain went immediately. And she emailed us the next day to say she couldn't sleep the night before. Not because she had pain, but because she didn't. And she kept waking up to check whether it was hurting or not. It wasn't. It was totally, totally gone. Another time, someone from another church was joining us on Insta. And uh, there was a specific word around cancer that was given. And their friend had this uh, particular thing. So they forwarded this prayer to them. We prayed for them. And the friend was due a big scan. So it was a really important scan on the Monday. And then they contact them to say, the consultants have said, it's all clear. There's no cancer there at all. It's amazing. Amazing. You know, there was another time we prayed for a young woman who had been diagnosed with HLH, which is a rare disease. It's a potentially fatal uh, disease. And she was in hospital. She had to have chemo immediately. Then she was ventilated. Then she was put um, in an induced coma. She was really, really sick. Her family were brought in to potentially say goodbye to her. And we heard about this, and we prayed for her on the Thursday evenings. We prayed again and again for her. By name, we prayed for her. And you know what? There was an incredible turnaround. There was an incredible recovery. They brought her off all the major treatments. She had to learn to eat again, to walk again. But then she was discharged from hospital to completely against the doctor's expectations. It is amazing, you know? On Thursdays, we like to say that we pray for heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. And everything in between. Including things like insomnia, which we have also seen healed. You know, Jesus didn't even call healing a miracle. 
Did you know that? He called it a work. It was a work. It was normal. Just completely normal. You know, Tim was saying last week he's going to be praying for healing. He's just going to go for it. I'm going to be doing the same. You know, maybe you want to think about, okay, this is actually part of the deal. This is what Jesus has told us to do. Maybe I could step into it. Or if you're here, you need healing, you've never asked for it before, consider asking someone to pray with you. If the worship band want to come up now, can I suggest, if you have never seen God heal anyone, that you keep bothering him until you do? You know, you might want to pray for the next, I don't know, 200 people that you find you come across that are sick. Give it a go. See if God shows up and heals. He says he will. Matthew 7 says, ask, seek, knock. But the sense of it is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That is what we are going to do at Gastric. We are going to keep doing this because we've been commanded to. Because you know what? Sickness isn't meant to exist. It doesn't in God's kingdom. It doesn't exist. Number two, Jesus healed many, many people. And there were signs of the kingdom breaking in. And number three, Jesus commands his followers to do the same. Nick and Cookie, why don't you come up because we're going to pray for people right now. But at the very end of Mark's gospel, you know, we're still in chapter one, guys, at the moment. But at the very end of Mark's gospel, we hear Jesus' final words to his disciples. And he's talking to them about the signs that are going to accompany believers, all believers, not just the initial ones right at the beginning, but all believers. There are these signs that are going to accompany him, accompany them. And the very final thing he says in Mark's gospel in chapter 16, verse 18 is, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So that is what we are going to we're going to do now. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.